This afternoon I preach to you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in the Belgic Confession, Articles uh, 3, 4, and 5, and we'll read together the Articles uh, 3 and 5. a book of praise with you. You can find Article 3 of the Belgic Confession on page 500. The Belgic Confession is also available online if you're watching live stream and don't have a book of praise at hand. Article 3, the Word of God. We confess that this Word of God did not come by the will of man, but that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit as the Apostle Peter says. Thereafter, in his special care for us and our salvation, God commanded his servants, the prophets and apostles, to commit his revealed word to writing. And he himself wrote with his own finger the two tables of the law. Therefore, we call such writings holy and divine scriptures. In Article 4, the title is The Canonical Books. And I'll read the first paragraph. We believe that the Holy Scriptures consist of two parts, namely the Old and the New Testament, which are canonical, against which nothing can be alleged. These books are listed in the Church of God as follows, and then follows the list of all the books of the Old Testament and the books of the New Testament. In Article 5, the authority of Holy Scripture we receive all these books and these only as holy and canonical for the regulation, foundation, and confirmation of our faith. We believe without any doubt all things contained in them, not so much because the church receives and approves them as such, but especially because the Holy Spirit witnesses in our hearts that they are from God and also because they contain the evidence of this in themselves. For even the blind are able to perceive that the things foretold in them are being fulfilled. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Bible is a message for the world that God gives to people on the earth as a gift. And I think we all have a bit of an idea what goes into giving someone a message as a gift? I think last Sunday was Mother's Day. Maybe many of you decided it was time to take your thoughts, your message that you wanted to give to your mother, and to put it into paper or maybe to draw a, a picture. And that's the first step. We, we transfer the message that's in our minds into a picture or into words that others can read. And sometimes we ask others to, to write a, a part of it, and then we add in some parts to the message in our own hand and we sign it. Sometimes you, you just buy a card and it has some of the words written and you can just sign it. And maybe if you can't write yet, then you, you put the first letter of your, your name underneath it to show that it's yours, or for, that it's from you. And then we have to ensure that the message is delivered and that all the pages of the message have been properly received. And then when the message is received, people will be able to tell that it's authentic, that it's really from you, because they recognize the content of the message, and it fits well with the knowledge that they have of you. And so a mom can tell that 
She has the, the gift or the message in front of her and she sees your sign uh, signature and she knows that it's really from you. Well, those steps that I just described of giving a gift or sending a message, I took those steps straight out of Article 3 of the Belgic Confession, which describe how God gives us the Bible. And it works because the Bible is God's gift for us. It's his message for us. The Bible is God's holy and divine word that explains what we need to know for our salvation and to glorify God. And as we open this gift from heaven, as we open the Bible and we learn all about it, we come to see that the, the Bible itself is part of the gospel message. The Bible itself is a declaration of God's love for us here on the earth. The character of the triune God is revealed as much in what it, all that it says about him as it is in the fact that he gave us the Bible and how he gave it to us. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, in his care for us and our salvation, God gave the gift of his word. And we'll see that his word is powerful, perfect, and profitable. The Bible reveals to us the power of God's voice, the power of God's word by which he created the universe. God's voice, his word, is powerful and creative. God spoke just words and light was created. Psalm 29 that we, we sang together praises the power of God's voice which is able to change the very world we live in. His work was always accompanied with, with his word of explanation. His word explains his work. Adam and Eve received their mission that God had given to them and to all mankind through the spoken word of God. When God speaks, he reveals himself. He reveals the way to salvation in him. When the prophets spoke, they simply passed on the message that came from the Lord. And God's voice was able to make things happen. God's voice is powerful. What he spoke came to be. You read in Samuel that when Samuel was faithful, not one of his words fell to the ground. God's word set the program of all of history. God ensured that the world could see the coming of their Savior. That was his work. From the beginning of the world, God was preparing all things, including his people, for Christ's coming into the world. If you look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, that's how it starts. I can read it to you. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. When God's Son came, God spoke to us through his Son in a very special way. John 1 Verses 1 to 4 tells us that God's Son is the Word 
who was with God in the beginning and who was God. God makes himself known through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, the word, the, the logos, we can come to know the Father. We can see the Father's power. We can see the Father's love. Hebrews says that Jesus was the exact representation of the Lord. And the promise of the gospel is that the Word, the Son of God, came to dwell among us and we have seen His glory. Again, quoting from John chapter 1. Our Savior is called the Word. And so we see that the Word of God and the work of God are very closely related. Jesus Christ manifests the love of God in a very powerful way. His presence on the earth, along with his powerful miracles, confirms everything that Jesus spoke and taught. And so he always taught with authority. And people recognized the power of his voice as well. The Holy Spirit ensures that we know about the Word, the, the powerful person and work of Jesus Christ as he is revealed in all of the scriptures. The Holy Spirit grafts us. He inserts us into the work of Christ, into the Word who was with God at the beginning so that all that Christ accomplished can also be applied in our lives. The Word who is the Son of God, truly transforms our lives. We can see his power. And so the writer to the Hebrews writes in chapter 4, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The Holy Spirit applies the work of Jesus Christ and faith in that word into our hearts. And ever since Christ ascended into heaven, and as we read in Peter, Peter had to, one of the apostles had to pass away, he, he would be he would be gone. You can read that in chapter 1, verse 14. The putting off of my body will be soon. And as the, Jesus ascended into heaven and as the apostles passed away, the Holy Spirit ensured that the spoken and the prophetic word of God would be committed to writing. The Bible then is that written word of God. It has that same power in the hands of the Holy Spirit, in the lives of everyone who reads it. Now when we look at the written word of God that is in our hands, when we look at the Bible, it's very clear that God spoke many other things throughout history that are not recorded in the scriptures. Jesus said and did much more than was recorded in the Gospels, and you can read about that, or you can read that explanation in John 20, verses 30 to 31. In Psalm 102, verse 18, which was the text that was displayed before the worship service, 
That text explains that Scripture records some of the works of God for the coming generations, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Not only is every God-breathed word of the Scriptures chosen carefully by God for us and our salvation, but these same words were then carefully preserved by the Holy Spirit. And so when we speak about the Word of God, we are praising God the Holy Spirit for His care and His love for us and our salvation. This is a result of His work that that powerful Word of God can continue to be effective in our lives. And as we hear His voice in the written Scriptures that we can hold in our hands, we can study God's Word. We can hear His Word proclaimed. And that is why we give so much respect and so much attention to the Bible in our lives. In His care for us and our salvation, the Holy Spirit ensured that we today may receive the gift of the Bible from heaven, the message of the Lord for us here on the earth. And we can be confident and assured that his word is perfect. God was thinking of you when he commanded, and here's the confession, he commanded his servants, the prophets and apostles, to commit his revealed word to writing when he himself wrote with his own finger the two tables of the law. Now much can be said about how God ensured that we would have the Bible in our hands today. And much of that has been said recently in a sermon that I preached on John 14, verse 26, to the same congregation, so I won't repeat it tonight, uh, this afternoon. But for now, we can think of the passage we read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21 that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Inspiration, the inspiration of the writers of Scripture is being carried along by the Holy Spirit, like a sailboat is carried along by the breeze. And we confess and we believe that different people with different backgrounds and different capabilities and different ways of looking at things were led by the Holy Spirit like the, the wind in the sail of a sailboat to say God's message, each in their own style and their own way. And as a result, we have the Bible. God is the author of every book of this Bible. Every letter we read is breathed out by God. This ensures that the scriptures together present one unified, complete, inerrant, and perfect message for us and our salvation. And this perfect message is accessible to everyone who is introduced to the scriptures so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things, writes Peter. The Bible 
is God-breathed. Its authors were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And yet all God's words are written down in the letters and the sentences of human language. The word Bible is from the Greek word biblios, which means book. As the Son of God became visible flesh, so we may gaze at the truth of God's glory, we may study his powerful work by opening, reading, and studying a visible, tangible book. Although God could simply have spoken from heaven directly to, to all people or mystically made a connection with our hearts to instill guiding messages, God decided that a book was the perfect means to work faith. He gave his church the written word to be used as an instrument of the, in the Spirit's hands. And so to understand God's will, we must learn how language works. We need to know the importance of context. We need to accept that there is one truth, that a word really means what it says, and that everything that God says is perfect, united, and understandable. That's why already when we're young, our, our parents are teaching us how to read. They're talking about comprehension. I think if you have a report card that's even a part of the things that the teachers are, are looking for, they're able to comprehend a message that's written down. All this to serve us in our faith. When we trust in God's perfect word, when we study it carefully, then we expect that each passage has a single meaning with a message that is relevant for us and our salvation because God gave us a perfect gift and a perfect message, a carefully chosen message for us and our salvation. And everybody who can understand language can understand the truth. And we believe that the Bible is perfect in its entirety. If people don't pay attention to some of these books, they're actually rejecting what God considered perfect. He gave us the whole Bible. He chose to give us all the books. And if you only accept some of them, it's like relying on an imperfect source. And you can see that the Lord Jesus explained that to the Samaritan woman when she was from the Samaritan group who only accepted the first books of the Bible. He said, God's word is truth in, in spirit and in truth. It's the, the whole Bible. Now, if you were to ignore some of the Bible, it would be like receiving a, a letter or a card from a friend or from a child and, and just not reading some of the letters, saying those letters, those pages, sorry, those pages aren't important. And although many have tried, there are serious consequences for those who cut the Old Testament apart from the New Testament. Not only is it a rejection of the Spirit who gave us the entire Scriptures, but it makes it impossible to rightly understand Christ's work, the character of the church, and the sacraments. And we follow Jesus' instruction in his word to the two men from Emmaus. We declare that everything written about Jesus in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms 
is fulfilled in him. And you can read that in Luke 24, verses 27 and 44. And that is why we're very clear in our confession to be, uh, as we list exactly what is a part of the scriptures. Maybe you already learned all the books of the Bible in Article 4 with that cool song that many of us learned as, as children and, and since the recorders have recorded me hum singing one live stream service, I, I can even start the song when it goes, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Children here know that song. That, that song is, is actually an important part of our faith. It brings together, it shows us what we believe to be the truth, the perfect word of God. All the books of the Bible divided into two testaments or two covenants together form the scriptures. And there are no new revelations or further written scriptures besides. We also believe that the Bible is perfect in the sense uh, that it is complete. The Holy Spirit has told us not to go beyond what is written nor to add or to take away from the books. And he will not contradict himself by sending new or additional messages to his church, whether by private revelations or new prophets or new apostles who claim to be inspired. And this needs to be stated even today because it is so common. If you go around, if you live in other countries, if you have interactions, so common that people come and say there's new revelations, there's a new prophet, there's a new apostle. It goes beyond the Bible. And even if some of the so-called missing books, like the, the third letter to the Corinthians that seems to be referred to in the other letters to the Corinthians, even if that third letter existed and even if it would be found, we believe that that book would be redundant or as some have said, as unhelpful as discovering some new letters for the English alphabet. We have everything we need. God gave us a perfect gift. The Bible has a definite beginning and a definite end, and God has completely revealed salvation in his son Jesus Christ in every part of the scriptures. There is nothing more that God needs to reveal about his covenant, his desire to come beside us and to be with us, his work of making atonement for our sins, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures that testify concerning Jesus are complete and perfect, as our Lord says in John 5, verse 39. And then so we confess that the books are canonical. You know what that word means. If you do it like me, you divide it up and you find the word canon and you think it's something very explosive. And, but that word canon doesn't have two ends with it. You'll notice it has just one end. A canon is not that tube with a fuse that people use for shooting off cannonballs, but a canon is a measuring stick. It's an instrument used for measuring things. Like a meter stick is the official norm to determine how long a meter is, or a laser line 
tells you what straight looks like. So we believe that the Bible sets the divine standard for what truth is. It is canonical. That line is perfect. And so we can test the truth claims of any person by comparing what they say to what the Bible says. And if we say or we believe anything that is different than the Bible, what we say or what we believe is false, and the Bible is true. It's canonical. It determines the measure of what truth looks like. And so the reasons for receiving the Bible as holy and canonical are described in the second part of Article 5 of the Belgian Confession. Our faith in the holiness and the canonicity of the Scriptures is not unreasonable or without any grounds. When you're on the right path, all the signs consistently confirm the same thing, and you will find that his word is profitable. As we look around, we notice that God's people throughout the ages have received and approved the scriptures as such. Article 4, with all the list of the books, that's not something new. That's something very, very ancient. The church in the Old Testament, the prophets and the Psalms and the other wisdom literature all received and knew and read and shaped their lives and their worship by the other books of the Bible. Our Lord Jesus received and approved the entire Old Testament in his teaching and his preaching. The New Testament prophets and apostles quoted the Old Testament. They quoted Jesus' words. They quoted the Gospels. They made their own inspired declarations and they referred to the writings of one another in the understanding that it was all equally scriptures, God's holy and divine word. When the last of the apostles died, the churches understood that the canon was closed. The book was complete. And faced with many different heretics that started to attack and to try break apart the Bible, they made confessions in which they stated the names and the list of the canonical books that had always been received. The church's recognition of the canon of scriptures is very weighty, for it confirms that our faith in the scriptures is not absurd, but indeed it's very ancient, it's very consistent. And yet you'll notice that the church's faith and all the, the church's reaction to the scriptures, that's not the only foundation for our faith. The church cannot decide what is scripture and what is not. The church does not give validity to the scriptures. And so you'll notice how we confess that in Article 5 of the Belgic Confession. It's the second sentence. We believe without any doubt all things contained in them, not so much because the church receives and approves them as such, although the church does, but especially because the Holy Spirit witnesses in our hearts that they are from God. Accepting all that God has revealed in his word is a sign of true faith. 
which only the Holy Spirit can work in our hearts. One person cannot force such faith in the truth of God's word on another person. We can't be persuaded through a preacher to, to just have that faith in the word of God. We receive the scriptures as God's holy word because they are God's holy word. We know that. The scriptures are self-authenticating. They repeatedly and clearly state that they are the word of God. And when you start with faith in the truth of the scriptures given to you from the Holy Spirit, before you even open the book, you believe that it is the holy and divine word of God. And yet, in his grace, God gives us even more evidence. And we confess, the last part, that they contain the evidence in themselves that they are from God. And you could give quite a list of this evidence, but in our confession we only point to one clear evidence, that even the blind are able to perceive that the things foretold in them are being fulfilled. They are being fulfilled. The confession points to a present reality. The confession talks about the triune God today in the period of the victorious reign of the Son of God from his Father's throne in heaven. Right now, even the blind can perceive that the scriptures are being fulfilled. How? How can they perceive that? They can perceive that because there are Christians in the world in whom God dwells by the Holy Spirit. Everyone can know that there are people who believe in God, who love him and want to worship him. That faith is worked in the hearts of Christians through the scriptures. And so everything that God foretold is being fulfilled in a visible way as Christ continues to gather, defend, and preserve his church by his spirit and word in the unity of true faith. Your Christian life is evidence that the scriptures are from God. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give you the inner conviction that the, the Bible is true. He's not just witnessing in your heart, not just that, but he lets you see it in your own life. As he fulfills the promise of scripture by, by giving you a transformed life. He lets you see that the scriptures are from God when you see that your study of the scriptures is powerful to change who you are. The scriptures foretold that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts through the 66 books of the Bible. And when you receive this word in faith, when you see that these words are profitable for your life, you will give the holy and canonical scripture authority in your life. When you want to know how to live your life, you will look to the Bible for regulation. When you want to understand how God made the world, you will look to the Bible to understand the foundation of all that you believe. When you experience doubts about yourself or the power of the love of God, 
you will find confirmation for your faith in the Bible. Evidence the power of Scripture as they are being fulfilled in your lives. The gospel message proclaimed by the Holy Spirit in the passage we read in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17, is that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable or useful for your lives. Profitable for teaching. Useful for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. And, and that's why when he speaks of preaching the Word of God in chapter 4, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Holy Spirit uses the same words that he does in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3. You see that in chapter 4, verse 2. The preach the word, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The Bible is useful. And that usefulness, that profit of Scripture is evidence of its holiness and its truth. And so, brothers and sisters, let us receive the Bible as a gift from heaven, as a gift from heaven that it is. Let us understand that the Scriptures are used by God to work powerfully in our hearts. God committed His revealed, powerful Word to writing, and he gave us this holy and divine word out of his care for us and our salvation. He had you in mind when he prepared this gift. And he wants you to open it. And he wants you to study it. And he wants you to profit from its truth. And let us take hold of that announcement with joy. Let us make use of the gift that the Holy Spirit so carefully prepared, preserved, and presented to us by studying and applying its truth to our lives for their regulation, foundation, and the confirmation of our faith. May his powerful word enrich our lives. Amen.